Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Angela Kokod in for Alex Pearson. You're listening to On Point. We'll always love a couple of times a week checking in with Tom Korski, managing editor of Black Locks Reporter. The stories that you don't find anywhere else, actually. Tom, thanks so much for joining us this evening. My pleasure, Angela. I always encourage people to check out the website, blacklocks.ca. And uh, first of all, before we get to some of the stories you've got for us this week, I want to just see if you've got some thoughts tomorrow. Big day in Ontario, uh, the Ford government coming out with its provincial budget. And then next week we call an election. So what can you expect from this document? Election Election budgets are everyone's favorite budgets. They're not like those other budgets. They're the best kind of budgets. <laughs> if only it is we crazy. had an election every six months, Angela. Exactly, exactly. We know there's going to be lots of promises there. Uh, where do you think the emphasis is going to be, Tom? Uh, you, uh, there's uh, been, uh, admittedly, excuses uh, due to the uh, pandemic, but... There's a lot of provinces, Ontario is one of them, where the finances are not in in great shape. Angela, the federal debt ceiling was raised last year 58%. Per capita debt, federal debt only, is well over $22,000 every man, woman, and child in Canada. Those are just the federal figures. You start piling on the Ontario debts. I know this, this is supposed to be partisan. I don't know why frugality... And a fear of bonded debt uh, is a partisan issue. But it's, it's too late in the game now for Premier Ford to start tightening the taps. But the, 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 the province's finances are not great. And the tough part is, is as we say, it's an election budget. So how do you, as a government and a party that wants to win re-election, come up with some promises but then justify the increasing costs? been a long time. It's been a long time since Queen's Park had balanced a budget. It's too long. It's, oh, you know, I don't even want to think about it. You know, I'm not even going to pay attention to the budget. And my condolences to everyone who has to, because you know the kids are paying for it. Let's, you know, let's, yeah. let's not mince words. The kids are paying mm-hmm. for it. Kids will be paying for it, but do you think the government, as you say, having gone through the pandemic and, yes, the increased costs to the economy and and provincial governments and federal governments, do they have to focus on individual areas, though? And I, and I think the big area is we're going to see something in health care. Yeah, the, the health care has been a spectacular failure. I know there's been some cheese pairing between different levels of government over who's really to blame. We spend a lot of money on health care in this country, Angela. Statistically, it's a very high amount compared to a lot of other countries. What did the pandemic show, except that it's not very good? It's just not a very good system. And uh, everyone has remedies. And my uh, antenna is that Canadians are tired of hearing about how complicated it is. Yeah. At 45 years, 45 years of a Medicare system, and that's the best we could do is people dying alone in small rooms and canceled cancer surgeries, unacceptable. 
Yeah, well, we'll definitely watch it closely. You don't have to watch it. We'll be watching it closely for you, Tom. All right, a couple of stories I, I spotted on the website, and I want you to dig a little deeper into them because they're always like, what? But the government relied on CBC stories in making its decision to invoke the Emergencies Act. Go into a little detail on that one. Yeah, that's that's the chief law officer for a G7 country. Attorney General David Lametti last night told the Common Special Committee looking into the Freedom Convoy crackdown that he invoked the Emergencies Act in part because he heard some alarming stories on CBC. And the stories were that foreign groups were funding, bankrolling this protest, and this then fed the myth of the Nazi insurrection problem. Angela, the stories were false. Subsequently, it was proven uh, six ways to Sunday by crowdfunding website executives that the millions that were raised on behalf of the Freedom Convoy truckers were mom-and-pop donations, typically small, overwhelmingly Canadian. GoFundMe, the largest single contribution, $30,000 from a Canadian. Vast majority were $20 here, $50 there. But when the Attorney General testifies in committee, late at night, maybe he was tired, I don't know, that he relied on a CBC report that was wrong as justification for using emergency police powers against political protesters. Well, you're, that's really, that's something. That's yeah. really something. Uh, Tom, ever since they announced the inquiry on Monday, there has been lots of criticism and questions as to really what will be released, what will be revealed. So we're hoping even when you hear stories like this, that we'll have a clearer understanding. But I, I think a lot of people are saying the Liberal government will probably be able to hide behind a lot of uh, national security excuses as well. Your thoughts? I think they'll try, but I don't think they can get away with it. And the reason is this is not a political problem. There's a lot of people who were not friends of the truck drivers who were appalled by what was done to the truck drivers. There are people who care about civil liberties in our country. Uh, some of them are in federal court right now, suing, challenging yeah. the uh, the justification for those extraordinary measures. And uh, I don't think Lametti, uh, with all due respect to Cabinet and the Attorney General, I don't think they get it. This is not a run-of-the-mill political problem. You know, the last time Parliament invoked emergency measures, the, the War Measures Act, it was because they found the body of the Deputy Premier of Quebec in the trunk of a car. It wasn't because somebody heard a CBC story on the way to work. Yeah. And I think you and I have talked about this. I mean, when we look back to January and February, uh, the question as to why they had to go to that extent when they had different levels of police departments that just weren't doing their job or were finger pointing. So um, I'm hoping next year, whenever it is, February, I think the uh, the report should be coming out that we're going to learn a lot more exactly what happened and what we can learn from it. Okay, one other story. Um, Tom Korsky is my guest this evening, managing editor of Black Locks Reporter. Uh, the other story, we all remember last summer when Afghans were fleeing that country and Canada and other major countries were trying to do their best to help get people out of there. We have a clear picture of really uh, the extent that Canada was able to help. What have you found? It's horrifying. It's absolutely horrifying. And you're right, this comes out piecemeal in a, another special Commons Committee, this one on Afghanistan. 
Kabul fell to the Taliban uh, last August 15th. Important to remember that date. Five months before, cabinet had approved military deployment to uh, Afghanistan. That was not widely known at the time. In fact, it wasn't reported. It wasn't disclosed at all. They sent military personnel down to Afghanistan because they could see it was unraveling very quickly. Five months before, the day that Kabul fell, the Canadian ambassador, Reed Sears is his name, remember that name, S-I-R-R-S, he hightails it to the airport with some of his staff, and according to eyewitness accounts, hightails it out of Kabul on a half-empty military plane. What is the most recent disclosure? There were only two Canadian military planes in Kabul at the time, and only one of them was operable. The ambassador commandeered it for himself and his staff so they could get back to Ottawa. Who did they leave behind? 1,200 Canadian citizens, men, women, and babies, and thousands of Afghan allies. They steered the ship into the iceberg, and the first man in the lifeboat was the captain. One of the shabbiest episodes. I don't know how foreign affairs will ever live it down. It shocks MPs, and it should. And you know what? It was a story that had the visuals that had Canadians saying, what? Why are we not doing more to get the Afghans out of that country, out of the Taliban grip? So uh, troubling when we hear these kind of reports, Tom. Do you know what happened to that donkey, by the way? They kicked him upstairs. He came to Ottawa. He declined interviews. He, we, we used to joke in the newsroom, Ambassador Sears went into hiding in his safe house in Ottawa from reporters. He wouldn't let us talk to him. And then in Christmas Eve, Cabinet appointed him ambassador to Buenos Aires. And there he is, sitting on the patio, having drinks. Ambassador Reed Sears, remember that name. It is absolutely infuriating. I hope the Afghan committee gets to the bottom of all of the misconduct that occurred on that place. How do we ever stare those people in the face again? How do we do that, Angela? No kidding. Tom, I'm glad you brought it to our attention. We appreciate it. Thanks as always. Thank you, Angela. Tom Korski, Managing Editor of Black Locks Reporter. You can go to their website, blacklocks.ca. I'm Angela Cocott. You're listening to On Point.